<laughs> it's so crazy. So what was the last time we all talked? Was it like three months ago? Was it four months ago? I don't know. What year is it? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not sure. And speaking of, I know Andre, you're a big basketball fan. Uh, and Mike, uh, seems that you have a, a hat on that seems like basketball. This, this, this is, this is, a, this is a story. I follow sports very much, but, um, long story short, um, I, before COVID, I used to get my brother, uh, tickets to a game, whether it was hockey or basketball, usually it was whatever sport was going on in the winter. And uh, what we would do is I'd get the tickets and it was either the Timberwolves or the Minnesota Wild. We'd go to those games, but we'd get the gear for the other team. And so we'd go as, you know, the Cavaliers in this case versus the Timberwolves or, you know, the Buffalo, you know, Sabres, whatever it was versus the Wild. And that was just kind of our, that was our thing. So this hat has that. And then of course, when we shot wrong turn in Ohio, I was able to sport this hat and everybody was like, oh man, you're a cast fan. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Stephen, are how, you how, basketball fan? How many how many Minnesota ass whippings did you get at the game? <laughs> you know, Minnesotans, Minnesotans are nice. Um, well, <laughs> to a certain extent. Um, I mean, honestly, like nobody knew there were plenty of other Cavs fans there, so it was just kind of like you know, you just meld in with those people, and and it's good. But yeah. that was just our shenanigans. And, and Stephen, are you a basketball fan? I mean, I'm a Fairweather fan. I know a bit yeah. about, you know, the Bucks and, and, and all that, and they've been pretty good the last couple of years. Uh, well, I went to, uh, went to a game at their new stadium uh, how was it? just before pandemic. Super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. But honestly, I don't really keep up with it too much. <laughs> There's some big NBA games going on as we speak right now, including Dallas Mavericks, game five. We'll see what happens, oh. right? Yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> Nobody likes Matt. I got, right no, now, it's, I, I actually got um, literally sports were kind of my world for a long time, and um, you know because I played I played in college and played a little after college, and that was fun. I just you know, and I loved college hoops, you know, better than almost anything. And then I ended up working in an industry for a number of years that was all sports event oriented, and I got really burnt out on dealing with <laughs> that stuff. Oh, and wow. uh, so all I really care about now is golf and, and golf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't follow anybody. I don't, ha- I, I could honestly, I'm almost getting soured off of like uh, off of even college sports. Um, although one of my favorite things to watch was the uh, college women's softball world series is on right now. So it's, oh uh, it's, it's actually fun to, I, I actually like watching the college women's world series softball. Uh, and I, you know, it just, it goes back. There was a couple weekends with pals while we were on the road working events. And that was the only thing that was on the TV. And so we start rooting for, you know, the Alabama gals or, you know, the Texas gals or something. So it was, uh, awesome. it's fun. So. That's good. So I'm so happy to be doing this late night show with y'all again. You know, the, the celebrity power hour. Last time we all had whiskey. Yeah. And uh, I think I brought whiskey and I brought tequila tonight. So starting with Stephen, um, what, what, what you got drinking today, tonight? What I got here? I got some uh, little Oban. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Going with the scotch tonight. Going with the scotch tonight. Uh, yeah. Andre, what about you? 
Um, I have to uh, plug something that I'm doing, which is my excuse. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram. Oh, yes. Uh, I the, have the active a, Andre. Yeah, I have like an active with Andre thing going for 30 days. And so you, you have to, it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, it's not a fitness challenge or a diet challenge. Uh, it's just an activity challenge. So, you know, take the stairs or, you know, do some push-ups or a, a plank, you know, whatever it is, or go on a 10 mile hike. It's fine. But uh, as I was leaving, I just, I'm over at my spot where I do most of my podcast stuff. And I left, I left my brand new bottle of Woodford Reserve uh, that had the Kentucky Derby etching on it. Cause I was just there. Um, and so I left that on the kitchen. And then, so my excuse is I can't really have the booze tonight because I'm doing my activity challenge. Uh, hey, Good it's cover. commendable and respectable. I saw you were doing that and I was trying to think of an activity for myself to do. Um, Walk around the block, doesn't matter. It's what, not, it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> it's, it, I'm glad you're doing that. It's um, just moving. Yeah, I've got to get, I got to get, uh, uh, I gotta get, uh, I gotta get moving again. And it, uh, it sucks. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and Mike, what about you? The whiskey man tonight, I'm actually going the complete opposite and I got a little black and gold sake. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, even cooler than anything so, I would have brought it to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good stuff. It's uh, very inexpensive and um, is just, just a very nice, light, easy drinking. It's mm -hmm. summer. It's like not, well, it's, I shouldn't say it's, it's, a, it's officially summer here in Minnesota, but the weather, we're going to be having 90 degrees uh, on Saturday. Wow. So it was beautiful today, and it's just going to keep getting hotter and hotter over the course of the week. Oof. And so it's, uh, and of course we have a, it's very humid here as well. So it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a cooker. But we got a nice huge blow up pool for the kids in the backyard this weekend. We got a, a slide for them to go into it. We got a slip and slide. We got these like these like um, little tent overhang things to put in the yard. I got uh, this crazy new beer that uh, my brother-in-law uh, picked up a 30-pack in Milwaukee, so you know it's good, called uh, Narragansett. Mm. And I guess it's from New York. Uh, or write and visit us at 4061 Main Street, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. But this is my new, my new jam. I love this stuff. It's official beer of the clam, whatever that is. I like it. Man. So, we got yeah. sake, now, uh, we got scotch. Sake, sake and a ton of beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a the, lot, a lot the of The scotch, the clam. And the scotch and uh, what do you have? You have tequila and what'd you have? Night Train? What'd you say, Kluger? Oh, I've got- um, What'd you bring? I've got, I've got Laphroaig tin. It's one of my favorites, real smoky and oaky. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to start out with, if you smell what the rock is cooking, Terramana tequila. Oh, my God. Wow. Super surprisingly amazing. And then, of course, uh, the people we work with. Uh, right here in Dallas, Deep Ellum Brewery, Blind Pickle Seltzer. It's like drinking pickles. With oh my God. What? Oh. oh. <laughs> nope. nope. What a good idea. I'm in. You're in? You're in. I'm in. I love pickle. Oh man, that's the that's one of my that's one of my 
I, I don't hate pickles as much as I hate mustard, but those are like two of my worst things ever. Pickles Mike, and mustard. We're gonna, have, we're gonna have a problem at Crafty when we make a movie. Like this is gonna be a this is gonna be an issue here. <laughs> That's okay. We'll just put the pickles and mustard over on the table, way over there. Totally fine. We'll be good. <laughs> I, I, you know, it can be on set. I just, I just, I just can't. Oh man, I just have trouble. That's okay. It'll just be in my private RV. Everybody can have pickles over in my thing, right? Is that? You guys want pickle and mustard? Just go to Andre's trailer. Let's go to Andre's trailer. <laughs> Cheers it's the 65-foot Winnebago over at the end of the block. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh yes. Cheers. Yeah, Nostro Cheers. Oh, I like it. And I like, look, it's a Rudy's cup. Uh, and we all this know is... Rudy is. <laughs> the barbecue plate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my podcast cup. <laughs> this is good. That's good. That's good. So uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. I'm just so happy to see you all together again. It's... Uh, being crazy. So first, I want to ask Andre about this um, active with Andre thing that you're doing. Came out with it. So did I mean some people during COVID and maybe at the end of COVID may have gained weight, may have lost weight. Andre, what did you do, and what sparked this uh, this active with Andre? Because it's like you said, it's like you don't. It's activity. So an activity could technically be drinking a bunch of beer and eating a bunch of <laughs> that's an activity in um, 10 minutes <laughs> sure sure uh just as long as you do enough reps to get a calorie burn there um yeah i kind of did a little of both i kind of had a weird year activity wise because i ended up right as i was kind of ramping up like having fun last summer and having activity and playing a lot of tennis i tore my shoulder and so that was like my first injury. So that kind of was like, oh man, this sucks. Luckily it didn't really affect my golf. <laughs> so that was okay. Uh, but that was all kind of cut down, you know, on average, you know, during the week too. But then you just sort of get lazy and got out of that. And I have my good friend, Mike, that, you know, I, I, I hang out with here and uh, cause I'm, I'm in Las Vegas right now. And as I, introed my act hashtag act with Andre thing. I mentioned that I, it's better when you have like a, like a goal, like a date or a goal or a target or something, right? Cause you have something to, that will be like, Oh, I have this thing. And back in March, I had an appearance in uh, Pennsylvania. I was going to the Mahoning drive-in theater and I was looking forward to that. And I was like, uh, I look kind of winterized. Like I've been sitting around <laughs> like not going out in the cold, even though it wasn't cold. I was like, I haven't really done much. So I was like, I've got a four week window. And in our, you know, in our community, we have this great gym and an indoor pool and things like that. I was like, I'm going to go do a nice low impact pool workout, like swim a little bit and then do all these exercises in the pool. Cause that's the best place to work out in the pool, right? It's low impact. You won't get hurt. Um, and I got hurt doing my pool workout <laughs> so how'd you hurt yourself? I, uh, I did yeah I jacked my back up so bad doing my pool workout that that was two weeks into my four week plan. so I couldn't finish the two weeks had to go to the appearance in a back brace like barely being able to put my pants on and nice. or put shoes on with laces and then that was two months ago and so I was like and I've been really, now my back is, uh, you know, pretty much better. And I was like, I gotta, it's been a month and I've just been so just blah and lazy. 
And I've gotten into my routine of going to my lunch spot and reading my book and doing my work and just sitting there for hours. And I'll sit and do my notes or do emails or social media. And I like to read. I always have a book in my hand. And I realized that's all I've done for like two months. And uh, I told my bio, I was like, all right, I, something's got to happen. And if I, if I do, because now I have like the, uh, a middle of July target to do something that um, I'm not sure if it's a thing yet. So I'm not mentioning it, but that's my goal is, or my target. And I was like, hey, let's do like a 30 day activity challenge. And if I can get other people to follow me, I can't bullshit it. <laughs> so it's like, Accountability, you know, so, so maybe smart. it's a little, you know, it's a little two way street there that uh, I've had, yeah, there's like a couple dozen people hashtag inactive with Andre right now. I'm like, and they're, they're sending me their videos of like doing their workouts or on their walks and, um, I've got a couple of people that are like killing it in the gym. I was like, don't make me look bad. Just get some activity. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's really all that is. So it's, it's just 30 days, you know, June move around a little bit. I've been in the pool three times. I've been in the gym twice. And today I, I just did stuff around the house and uh, it's been four days and I already feel better. It's great. Good. I need to take some inspiration from that. I think it's yeah, long overdue for some yeah, yeah, we, activity, we get so consistent activity. Yeah, and it's just activity. It's not like gotta go bust out a hundred reps, man. You know, it's like and you know, max out on your weight. But no, it's like what'd you do today? I rocked. I walked around the block. Perfect. That totally counts. Does playing the Stango Harpo count as an activity? As long as your heart rate is up for an extended amount of time, so we'll give it to you. <laughs> it is man. Stango Harpo. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Makes me nervous every time I pick it up. It's really hard to play. It's yeah, it's definitely workout. No. Now what you should do is like go for a hike playing. <laughs> so it's yeah. like hand-eye coordination, dexterity, and a little bit of cardio. Oh god. Yeah. I think I I think I would not attract any followers um doing that. I think uh, I'd kill your I'd kill your hashtag if I ah. did that. <laughs> it's not that robust anyway. It's only that a would, that would boost the hashtag. Can you imagine a video yeah. even playing the Dango Harpo, whatever it is, like walking Griffin Observatory, just like walking past all these people. Just like, yes. <laughs> I got to get the big dark hood yeah, and all that to do it. You know, the, the, the gothic, uh, you know, walk around in my robe <laughs> playing this thing really like somber. Oh my, <laughs> we should all do uh, an active with Andre instrument uh -oh. walking thing i got a guitar and a clarinet you got the stango harper harpo and like a cymbal and mike what, what instrument you got i got a drum set not sure how i'm gonna walk with that but my son has a whole bunch of play instruments upstairs him and i we can just grab something and crash cymbals and ride bikes or something we got our own marching band i See? like this that's idea. where you get the like, activity. it's a marching band we can go do parades <laughs> So since Borderline the last circus, yes, the, yes, that's what I like the circus. Uh, since the last time we talked, um, Done it. <laughs> has there anybody has there anybody seen any really great movies or great horror movies that you like to talk about? Something that really caught your attention? Okay, well, before because I know Andre is probably I mean he if he's doing all these appearances and he he probably talks about this movie like he's been talking about it probably for the last year year and a half. I did see Wolfman's Got Nards and uh, holy crap, dude, like that, it's really weird because so after I watched it, all my life, 
I've been trying to convince people that Monster Squad is one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> and I, for some reason, I can't convince anybody of it. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Like, this is like, and you, you explain to them and you even show it to them. I remember going to Halloween, I sat down with a bunch of buddies um, that I went to, to college with and just some family friends. And, you know, we had a little Halloween soiree at our house. And, and I was just like, we're watching Monster Squad tonight. And barely anybody had seen it. And I was just surprised. And these are all, you know, guys and girls that are, you know, around my age, maybe a year or two younger, older, whatever. And they finished it. And everybody, I was just like, I'm just looking. I'm just like, so? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm more of a Goonies guy. I'm just like, oh, like, I'm just like, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I, I'm like, I'm like but, so what, what didn't connect? And they're just like, ah, it's just, uh, it was okay. I'm just like, and so I watched this thing and I'm starting to realize more and more that this isn't everybody's movie. This is our movie. And that's what's so cool about it. Is it like, it doesn't belong to anybody but us. And I think your film captures that so well and so uniquely. And so like, it made me happy and it kind of like put, put me at ease that like, you know, this is my film. And, you know, anybody can go have the Lost Boys and Goonies and whatever the hell else, but like, this is mine, this is ours, and nobody's going to understand it the way that we do. And it's, I'm sad for them. I'm genuinely sad for them that they don't get that. Um, and I think a lot of it has a lot to do with, you know, people growing up and watching it, you know, at a young age. I mean, I think all the people that you interviewed had all seen it, you know, before they turned 12, <laughs> you know, and I did, you know, and so, um, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, you, 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 put the, you put the HBO animation in there and I got teary eyed. And uh, the reason I did is because that, that opening for me was synonymous with Monster Squad, because like I was saying on the last one, that's the first time I saw Monster Squad was on a, hold on a second. He got real excited. And he knows right where it is. <laughs> he does. Yeah. That huge collection. Maybe I did this last time. I can't freaking remember, but this is, this is like holy grail material. I got the DVD, you know, whatever. It's great. Yeah. But this is like, this is, this was the holy grail. And it was a, uh, it was, again, it was a copy my, my godfather had given my dad to show me when I was like eight years old or something like that. And, um, the beginning of this tape starts with that HBO thing. The, whew, the colors are swirling around and it goes yeah. to the home box office. And, and to me, that was synonymous with Monster Squad and a movie that my dad would kill me if he found out I was watching. And so it just, I, again, like uh, just that, you captured everything just like the way that I think uh, the fans of that movie have all, and I'm sure you've been told this by everybody, I'm sure... Joe Lynch and Adam Green and, and, and Goldberg and all those guys were just like freaking out about this. But like, this is one of the best well-captured encapsulations of like the fandom of a movie that most people just really don't know exists. And it's, it's genuinely special. So I just- Oh, well, good. I'm, I mean, I'm glad it, I'm glad it, I'm glad it landed for you. And you know, that was sort of really everything that Mike is saying is, you know, kind of what we were trying to capture really and it it, it kind of captures itself you just have to kind of put it out there for everybody to kind of 
you know, recapture and enjoy mm -hmm. uh, and remember, remember those, you know, kind of feelings that you have, whether it was the HBO or, you know, HBO intro or walking into the video store, or that if you, if you were one of the 38 people that saw it in the movie theater and, you know, it's, uh, it, I don't want to say it was easy because it certainly wasn't easy. This was a big production. Like we did a lot of like, and everything oh, no. that you're talking about that came across is uh, it wasn't all, I would love to take all the credit, but uh, I had a great handful of uh, guys that worked on this project. Um, and most of it is um, Henry McComas. Um, and, you know, working with Henry and working with Wes and working with Aaron Kunkel, uh, you know, to kind of capture all of that because they were all fans. And so we all had some sort of inside connection uh, to what this movie means to somebody. And so that was sort of the easy part. We weren't sort of like, you know, alien invaders trying to come in and, you know, let's do this and make a documentary about something we've never experienced. And so I think that helped with kind of the genuine attachment yep. uh, elements. Uh, but look, I'm super pleased with the way it, way it turned out. It, it, it's completely, I mean, we captured everything that I thought I thought was there and more and we got so much more because I knew there was something there with fans and they would connect. We, you know, we just had to figure out how to, how to kind of put that out there and pull it out. Um, and we let everybody just do it for us. Well, um, and, and, and there's, there's such, there's like a real genuine heart behind it. Like I, I also, one of the things that really stood out to me was how you, or what you used from the Fred Decker interview. The mm. stuff that you, on a DVD, behind the scenes, 20 minute doc, would never have made the cut. Right. And I found that very interesting. It was, it was a little, it was a little heartbreaking to watch this director kind of like reflect on this movie that he put so much into that wasn't accepted, realized 30 years later that it's more than accepted and still realizing that like, this is, this is what I did. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I'm happy about it, I guess, but like, he, he just like had this, there was this sorrow. And I was like, that really struck me because as filmmakers, you don't know what your path is going to be when you dive into this, this business. You don't know. I think you go out thinking, what you think you know what you want it to be. Um, but it's, it's sort of a very organic journey, like more organic, I think, than any other career out there. You know, and I, I would say everything to do with, with filmmaking. I, you know, I mean, Stephen, you can, you can talk to this as well, but just as a, as a composer, like, you know, I mean, I know you mentioned a little bit last time, but like how, you know, you got into composing and then when you started composing, I mean, did you imagine that you were going to compose and work on the projects that you're working on now or that you have? And is it different than what you expected it to be? And, you know, like there's all those things and you can see that when, when, when Fred is talking and it, it really makes you think about, you know, what we do and, you know, not only how lucky, lucky we are, but also how much of a grab bag and how uncertain anything and everything can be. Uh, in this line of work. It's, it's crazy. But I just, I really appreciated that. That was a really honest thing to put, to put in there. And I, 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 I was very, very moved by it, I guess is what you could say. Well, I appreciate that. And that was, we, I knew personally that if Fred sat down and actually talked about 
about it, we'd get a little of that. I just didn't know how emotionally available Fred would be, or, you know, emotionally, you know, uh, open. Um, because our initial conversations about sitting down and doing an interview, you know, eight, six, eight months prior to that were completely different. He thought it was going to be something different. And I, I think there was a little bit of Fred still, uh, or, you know, not understanding what, what we were doing or a movie that I was trying to make uh, and the story we were trying to kind of convey. And he was like, Oh, just, you know, the little kid that's in my movies, like directing something. And it's about something that, you know, it's kind of itchy for me. So, you know, it's like, I think our initial conversations were, he was like, make your movie, get it ready, get it done. I'll watch it. And then I'll sit down and give you what you need to kind of fill in the holes. And I was like, that's not what a documentary is. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want you to do that. And I don't want you to have to do that because that's not what we're going for here. And really what it is, the overall, you know, even the stuff you were mentioning, you know, graciously earlier, Mike was, you know, the connection and the people and the response, but what this movie meant to people that saw it, whether they were mm -hmm. in a theater in Illinois or where they were crew members on it or where they were cast members on it, or maybe the writer or director. Like no one really actually talks in this documentary unless the, sans a couple of people for context. Uh, everybody has a, uh, a personal connection or has been impacted by this particular movie. And that's sort of the, you know, the, the underpinning of it all. And, uh, you know, once Fred saw some uh, kind of rough footage and one of the things we had to, you know, Brian, I had to, you know, I threw the Friday night kind of fan party for the 30th anniversary at Fantastic Fest that year. And we, we showed a 30 minute kind of rough cut of the doc. It should have been 10 minutes because once we, <laughs> 30 minutes was way too much. Um, but Fred saw that. And because we had to put that together, we, because Henry had to put that together uh, in such a short amount of time, while we were on the road making the documentary and then stopping in Austin to do this craziness. Um, he saw kind of what was happening, the quality, what it looked like. And he was a little bit more um, comfortable to sit down and, that's Henry's favorite thing in the, in the doc. That interview almost didn't happen. Um, I mean, but uh, I love it. I think it's the best part because it's sort of the anti-interview of all the other interviews. It's the it non-celebratory, you know, kind of tongue bath. It's not the tongue bath like everybody else talks about. Well, and, and he says it. He says it, you know, this isn't your tidy little bow at the end of your documentary here. Right. This is, uh, this is me just telling it the way it is. And, and this is it. And, and I think even that line when he quips, like, this isn't what you want to hear. This isn't this. I was like, I don't know if he even thought that that would make it into the cut. And I was like, that's exactly what's going into the. And um, it's really nice. Yeah. It, it was interesting because I had a, you know, I had a, a conversation with Fred uh, about a month before we uh, had our West Coast premiere at Beyond Fest. Uh, and that was a giant, giant evening. And um, I asked him if he wanted to get a link and watch it. I, I wanted him, we wanted him to go to Beyond Fest and sit in the Egyptian theater with 600 people and watch this movie. And, or if he was, you know, kind of apprehensive or, or uncomfortable, I would show him to him before that. And I, you know, we, we were having drinks at a tiki bar and he said, you know what? I, Cause he was hearing a bunch of stuff. That's a long story. He was, he was hearing how good this documentary was, you know, by reading our festival run and even his manager had talked about it. And Shane had called him and goes, have you seen this thing? Cause Shane saw it. And like, I was like, wait, who the fuck is showing our movie to people? 
Like, I don't know how Shane Black saw it. I don't know how David Greenblatt saw it. Uh, I know people have seen it, you know, in festivals, but we, you know, we had been to like eight or nine festivals by that time. And I was like, how are these people seeing this movie? And I realized our publicist had sent them their link because he was also Shane's publicist. And so it was all, it was all good that that happened. Um, but Fred, Fred actually said, hey, for all the stuff that I'm reading about it and hearing from people that I know, um, I'll tell you what, I'll go to the Egyptian event and I don't want to pre-visit. I don't want to watch it first. I'll sit in that theater and I'm going to take my wife, Teresa, uh, who's his second wife. And, you know, they've been married for a number of years now. She's super cool. And he said, but from what I'm hearing and what I'm reading, I'm going to take her to this screening. And after we're done watching it, I think she's going to understand who I am. And I went, whoa, shit, that's a lot of pressure. Don't put that much on this movie. Please don't do that much. But uh, it was it, it was a great night, and um, I think it it uh, it what I was hoping for personally with Fred on that night was that this could be a paradigm shift in his kind of you know internal you know mechanism that he has attachment to this movie and just kind of flip a switch a little bit and understand that um, it's it's okay to feel that way about this movie, and you're the only one that could possibly have this relationship with this film. No one else can have the same relationship with that film that he does. Yeah. And, you know, so we wanted to tell the story, the origin story, the production story, the premiere story, the bombing story, the resurrection story, all through while Fred is sort of the, you know, his interview goes throughout the entire thing and sort of is a counterbalance to everything else that's going on, um, which just shows kind of the, uh, you know, the, the the grounding of everything like a movie could actually be. But I think it also does a great job of not only connecting his experience with the movie, but everybody else's experience uh, with this movie. And then our bigger goal, obviously, we don't have to talk about, you know, Wolfman's got nards all night, but I don't mind. Um, the <laughs> is that it's also not just about Monster Squad. Yes, Mike, you made it like this is move. This this is the movie that says this is our movie. You're yeah. totally right. And we knew we were going to do that. Uh, but we've also liked the fact that, you know, people are like, hey, this isn't my movie, but now I want to go see it. Or this documentary reminds me of my all-time favorite movie, which is so-and-so and so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I used to watch that with my dad or my brother or, you know, whatever on, on Christmas or, or Halloween or on our birthdays. Which I got to say was really refreshing when you are interviewing everybody and everybody's talking about different movies at the beginning. The mo- right. like the, the, the movies that impacted them or the ones that like or the big ones and you don't like you you go through like six or seven different interviews and monster squad yeah. isn't even mentioned which right. is, again such a you know again normally something where you you would immediately you'd be like mon- you know and and then there's mon- and, and of course you you bleed into that yeah but i loved how you did that because i think that's exactly you're exactly right like that was and, and that, that was that's what, that's what it feels like yeah, and that was on you know that was on purpose, and that was something that Henry and I discussed. And as we saw what we got, we wanted to set it up that way. And even almost even before, right after that, you know, then it's like, and then Monster Squad, Monster Squad, Monster. I think it like Seth Green says Raising Arizona, and someone yes, else says yes. Terminator, or something like or ET or something. And mm-hmm. and then we go Monster Squad, ba 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 ba, and like okay, now we know what we're dealing with. But then we cut to a college class where <laughs> fifty college kids have never seen this movie. 
I love that. That was great. Well, and because yeah. that was on purpose too, because we wanted to get out that this happened, you know, this has stood the test of time with certain people, but some people have never seen it. Some people like to get reintroduced, but then that's also where we service the um, issues that people have with the, the PC you know, stuff, yeah. some, some of the language and the, and, and the PC stuff that people want to have conversations about. So we just do it at the beginning. Yeah, I think that was great. You know, and another thing that, that I, I like that you did, and maybe this opens up a conversation now about more of these types of movies. Um, we'll call them the, like, cause you know, you talk about the cult classic thing and everything in the, in the movie. And, you know, there's some people like, oh yeah, this is cult classic. Then you got Adam Green who's like, this isn't a cult movie. Like, come on. Like what's really interesting about movies like this, I would put this like in the, um, cause I, I think, uh, was it Joe Lynch says something about like when he saw Chuck Russell's The Blob, that was yeah. like the movie that like made him want to make movies. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, there's a handful of these movies and I'm, I'm, I'll just bring up a couple of them, but you have monster squad, you got the blob, you got tremors. Uh, you have, even the thing was a huge bomb when it came out the 82 version the, the, the carpenter yeah. version. Like you have these movies that completely tanked um, in the, uh, at the time that they were, were released almost like people just didn't get it. Um, and then what you got, you know, 20 years later, they are like these seminal films that, you know, have changed people, you know, literally changed people and have made them want to make filmmaking or uh, movie criticism or special effects creation their or, or anything like to do with filmmaking, their life's goal. Like, let's talk about, let's talk about these movies that like are out there that like, aren't aren't the uh, the typical ones that we're so used to, that that the mainstream audiences are maybe haven't quite grasped or, or that are still floating out there like why why did it take so long for some of these movies you know to do this and if there were people who were seeing them and being so heavily affected to that extent where was that disconnect with the majority of people or are we just a bunch of fucking weirdos <laughs> I think it's both. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Let's ask like Steve, like what's a, do you, let's test. I have a question. And then for me, and then I'll tie it in with like what I was saying, what is your movie that you remember being like, I don't say like changed your life, but when you were 10, 11, 12, 15, you know, whatever it was, is there one movie that pops out that is your kind of either that's my thing. That's my, you know, that's my guy. You know, and you can have more than one, but. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, the funny thing is, is I have an interesting angle in that, like, you guys are the filmmakers, and I'm the music guy, you know, like my, my, sure, I have like, you know, the ETs and the, you know, different right. films that, that I, I love growing up. And, um, but I don't know if I have that one seminal thing, because at that moment in my life, I wasn't like, I need to be involved in filmmaking or in, um, you know, or, or just made me really love movies. You know, there's like, I have some odd music things and like, you know, some punk rock things and different like odd music things that like, right. are like, you know, influences from my parents were like, you know, all the kids in my class, you know, you bring in music day and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and the kids are, everyone's bringing in like, like Eminem and stuff. And I'm bringing in like, uh, you know, um, James Taylor, which is, you Ooh. know, or like something, you know, that, that's like, you Not know, definitely, choice. definitely, but like, 
odd for like a fifth grader, you know, to be bringing in or like, right. um, uh, so, um, so yeah, you had those, I guess you had those. So I have, so I, so I have, the, I have like, yeah. I have like the version of what you're talking about with like music or, you know, yeah. like with different That's things awesome. that, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really until for, for me, some of the, um, you know, it was a bit later, you know, you talk about these sort of classics and these like eighties, you know, movies and things that like, like got you guys into it. It probably was a bit later for me when I really started to take note of music and movies, um, that, uh, you know, again, a little bit maybe odd choices for some people. Like, you know, probably your average composer would say, like, you know, John Williams and Star Wars or Jurassic Park <laughs> or something. That's when I right. first noticed music and what got me into composing. And mine were weird things like, like Snatch or like, you know, the Oceans movies, like music that was like more band centric or, you know, was more like um, a little bit more relatable from a guy that didn't study music, you know, or classical music super early on and stuff. So, um, yeah, so those are kind of like, for me, the formative one, formative ones. I wish I had a perfect answer for exactly what you're talking about. I'll keep thinking, but like, yeah. It's, but I think um, that's, that's, for, that's exactly what we're talking about though. I, I think, I think that's, that, that lines up exactly with, with what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what it is. It, it, it's not necessarily a movie. Like, yeah, you were a kid and there was movies that you like, um, but your kind of uh, moments as a kid and they're like, I'm going to look into this or this affected me in a certain way. So I'm going to look, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull that sheet back and look behind it and get a little deeper, whether it's music because of a movie or an album that your parents had, um, you know, you, yeah, you can go deep into James Taylor catalog and go <laughs> all over the board. Right. And totally, yeah. I mean, I, I've been, a, I mean, I've been a James Taylor fan since, you know, I was, I was very young and I've seen them, you know, a half a dozen times in concert and it never gets, it never gets bad. It's the same thing. You know, it's just James totally. and the guitar being, you know, just like, that's all I want. It's just soothing. I can feel cuts and bruises healing. That's what it is. Like, that's what a James Taylor concert is. And, yeah. uh, but that's perfect. I mean, if it's music thing for you, uh, Brian, I think it's like, um, I'm going to guess, let's see. Uh, the cage match between Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper? Was that it? <laughs> no, yeah. WrestleMania <laughs> 3, Andre versus Hulk, body slam. Uh, no, pro wrestling has definitely played a huge part in life. Um, but I guess if it's film, besides Salo, 120 Days of Sodom, it would have to be maybe four different movies. And they're okay. all have a lot of to do with music because music played a big part uh, in my childhood as well. Um, and I still play instruments, but I guess going back with Shout Factory, uh, just re-released or just released this movie, um, Explorers from the eighties, which falls in line with uh, Mike's uh, thing about a movie that was supposed to be awesome, but didn't do very well in the theater when it came out but this is a joe dante film and it stars ethan hawk and river phoenix in their first film ever and something about kids you know active with andre being active and getting out and doing something building a tilt world going to space and then you have jerry goldsmith's score that inspired me even when i saw it on home video back you know mid 80s holy shit I want to make movies. I want to go out and build a spaceship. I want to yeah. make music. 
that really did it. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good pick. That's a good example. Right. Yeah. And also Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, oh, the, my God. The, um, what's it called? The, the, the 80s movie. Frank Oz directed it with the score by Miles Goodman and the songs by Alan Menken, which taught me about just how cool horror and musicals and comedy can go together perfectly. Um, and it's just like flawless and seamless movie. Rocky Horror Picture Show, I was introduced at the theater at eight years old. Um, <laughs> boom, <laughs> changed my life. Uh, and that was another one. And then of course, in 1992, Army of Darkness came out and that just changed again my life of how you could mold every genre into one movie and make it perfect with Army of Darkness, romance, horror, comedy, drama, action, adventure. That is Army of Darkness yeah. with Bruce Campbell, no less. So it's, uh, and stands the test of time, but those movies inspired me from, you know, age five or six to do music and film. And those are the four that I kind of look back on, uh, as those, well as I put in the pro wrestling theatrics as well to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I only mentioned the Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Rowdy Piper cage match because I was I was there. I saw that one. You, you yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we, we got to no, watch no. wrestling. <laughs> uh, I used to go with a friend of mine. Uh, his parents had like uh, like front row tickets to the LA Sports Service. WWF, it was F back then, right? Yeah, it would come. Right uh would come to town like like where are we going okay let's go I saw some <laughs> crazy shit up close and personal well that's um, that's good because i used to do the same thing when i was little at the sportatorium here in dallas which is definitely no longer here but that's where the von erics got their start that's where stone cold steve austin got his start rick yeah. flair all the sportatorium just is this gross, grimy dive little <laughs> arena that maybe hold like a thousand people. And they would broadcast it every Saturday morning. And uh, that I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then of course, Vince and Vince's dad bought the, all the territories and now it's WWE, AEW. It's a thing, impact, yeah. But it's a- Well, I, I think what's interesting with Brian, you know, mentioned cause some of his movies had music element and that ties in with the stuff that kind of caught Steven's ear, pun intended, as a kid. But, and we kind of touched on this, I think, last time. Mu music is more important to films than most people realize, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really impactful, not just the da-dum-dum, because that's genius. Yep. Uh, but it's also even the, the choice of songs for soundtracks and where you put those songs and how, I mean, they... And especially in the 80s, right, we had singles that were specifically held and made for movies and either, you know, the montage scene or the end credit scenes. And those were huge singles because they were in huge movies. And if they had just released them, they might not have been that good a song like that or that popular a song. So they both have an impact on each other. And music in movies is interesting to, to me because... Um, I mean, I was I was I was in them and on TV and, and and watching a lot of movies when I was a very young kid. But a lot of movies that were actual musicals or had great music in them were super impactful and mean a lot to me. And probably the first one that made that impact was Grease. Why's Grease Lightning? Grease Lightning. We'll get some overhead lifters. 
Which is a, which is absolutely a fantastic movie. <laughs> like that movie is fantastic. No, it is. And it still it's, to this it's day. absolutely it holds up. It's well done. The musical numbers are fun. Um, and have I you guys always, ever been to one of those uh, sing-alongs that some no, theaters do? Like it? No, yeah. Like Alamo does a Greece, you know, sing-along all the time. I, I worked at a. Uh, I didn't know about that. That that whole thing existed. And then I worked <laughs> at a movie theater in in college that did one. And I'd like, yeah, I pop my head in one day to see it and everybody's standing up dancing and singing i was like this is the wildest going theater crazy. event i've ever seen yeah but if it wasn't impactful and enjoyable no one would be going to those corny you know thursday night sing-along events <laughs> they'd yeah, be singing yeah. at home being cool and yeah. but then you know as we go you know go forward uh i, I get asked a lot, i mean uh i think we went into it deep with uh kluger you know brian salisbury um from uh from um uh, uh, junk food cinema podcast yes. with uh, Cargill, <laughs> and he wanted me to come on his 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 solo podcast called Comfort Food, and we were he was doing that during pandemic, and like, what's your comfort food? Like, is it a movie, whatever? And I said, you know, I'm gonna pick one that's gonna blow your mind, and because it's more it's more music oriented, and you're not gonna think I'm gonna say the movie Pure Country, and I fucking love that movie. That's, and uh, he's like, wait, you you realize that's my wife's all-time favorite movie. And I was like, me and your wife are good. We're pals now. And so now we troll him on Twitter about Pure Country, which is fun. But uh, And then I realized that over the last number of years that three of my all-time favorite movies, which I think are fantastic movies, are all music-oriented. And I'm not musical. That's my one thing that I regret. I can do everything else, but I'm not musical because I didn't ever do, I didn't take the time to, to learn an instrument. Um, all, all have music. And they all start with the letter P, which is weird. I found that out when I was talking to Brian, but I think these three movies are, they're all great movies and you can laugh, you can, Pure Country's one of them. Pitch Perfect is the other. And Purple Rain, which I think is a fantastic movie. No matter low budge and cornball and bad acting or not bad acting, Purple Rain is a great movie. <laughs> but it's oh, really just it's Rain just a long music good. video. Yeah. Oh my God. Like that. That's that's what's so great about that. It's like it's a. Uh, what I equate Purple Rain to is it's literally you're watching a feeling. Like that's <laughs> that's why it works so well. You know what I mean? Like an, mm. I don't know. Like you did. So, I mean, and, this almost Prince, sounds corny, but I love yeah. them. Well, when Prince played the Super Bowl, he played Purple Rain, and it actually started raining for real. <laughs> I, I know. I was in the parking lot getting... getting Only Prince can do that. Only Prince can do that. So going off of this, let's go around the room. And is there a particular song that was made specifically for a movie? Sans the Monster Squad rap? <laughs> that oh, is your equally... <laughs> yeah, that's your favorite? <laughs> I guess I'll start. Start with Steven. He'll probably have some much no, better examples. I, I than don't. I, can. I, I don't actually. <laughs> give me a second. Yeah, you start, Frank. I'll start. So mine is definitely Power of the Night from Critters. Power of the Night. Streets are calling. Steven from the light. Shadows calling. It's the power of the night. Streets are calling. Uh, Critters the movie, Johnny Steele, Terrence Mann, 
sings power of the night streets are calling and it's fucking slaps and it's <laughs> it's like 80s rock ballad it's amazing they play it through the entire film uh the same th- way or does it end up does it get remixed and it's kind of weird or, or they no just, no and they just play the it and they, they made a music video for it in the movie yeah. that they show it's nuts <laughs> and it's great that it's terrence matt terrence man uh about that which oddly enough in Critters, like Monster Squad, I think the last track on Critters is the Critters rap. <laughs> oh my God. It was a, it was a very 80s thing. <laughs> yes, yes it was. But no, I, I love um, that one and probably maybe the, oh man, is it the, the mask, the face without a mask, the Alice Cooper Friday the 13th um, song from I think part six. Alice Cooper did a Friday Thirteenth Jason Voorhees song and it is amazing as well. Nice. Which what's your what's yours, Mike? God, I'm trying to I'm trying to think like the the song made specifically for a movie. <clears throat> you know, I, when we were talking about this earlier, I was just thinking that's like I I feel there's a lot of big hits from like 70s, 80s, 90s that were songs <clears throat> written for movies and you don't see that as much anymore. Like not really not ever. Now. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's like, the focus because like, they don't uh, tie it in. Yeah, I mean, um, I was just talking about one recently. What was it? It's um, uh, what's the the Whitney Houston song? I will always love you. Like a lot of people don't know that's like from from the Bodyguard. And, yeah, from the yeah, Bodyguard. Bodyguard exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, and originally a Dolly Parton and, song, and not the best version of that song. <laughs> hey, I disagree with you on that. I think Whitney Houston made it. <laughs> I mean, I like Dolly Parton, but man, I love Dolly Parton, but man, Whitney Houston owned that. Yeah, great. Super powerful yeah. song. I, my, 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 my wife will disown me if I say that's a better version than Dolly Parton. One of the best covers of it, maybe. Maybe the best cover songs. Yeah. True. Unless, I haven't seen Billy Joe Armstrong do a COVID cover of he should do that, you know, because he sits in his basement with his kids and does great covers with people during COVID. Um, but no, Stephen, you're right. I don't think they, they don't do that kind of song or the power ballad or whatever that's going to be the lead on the soundtrack because it's, that's two products. They put out a movie and a soundtrack, right? Yeah. And, what yeah, was the last one you can think of that was really that's, like that's a, what song I was actually gonna a movie ask. that was like, I can't even uh, think of one like since like, um, like Titanic or something like. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little. That's a uh, good example. Titanic is a perfect example of that. I so. I I think, I think it, the. Okay, so you you guys, I don't know how you guys feel about this movie, but the one I think that I keep coming back to that I, I I'm like looking through all my movies. So I'm like, what? There, I know there's a movie that has like music in it that I'm just like it was made for it and you're just like, wow, like that, you, know, you always keep coming back to it. But, but like everything I'm going through, I was like, it's a score, score, score. Well, this is just soundtrack. My favorite movie of all time is American Graffiti. <clears throat> I grew up listening to all that music. It was all like my dad, like too, yeah. 45s, as you can see, I have like 
a huge part of his 45 collection and I got them all in the back over here. Yeah. And like he would take all those 45s, he would transfer them to audio cassette tape so he could pop them in the car. And that's all we listened to on our two hour drives to the cabin, our road trips, whatever, was just 45s on tape of all this great doo-wop and rock and roll girl group. Like it was fantastic. Um, so, I mean, in terms of a movie with music, I mean, that's, that's my holy grail. And I know there's a lot of other people who would, who would say the same thing, but like that is the one I go to. In terms of a movie though, that has made the music for that movie. And I believe this music was made specifically for the movie. I don't know 100% for sure if, this, if these were covers, but I know some of it was. Um, Dick Tracy, Madonna. Good example of that. I just like, I still like when I put that movie in and I start like, I'm not, I can't even say I'm a, I'm a and people might scream at me for this. Like, I'm not actually a big Madonna fan. I'm, I'm really not. Like I never grew up listening to her music. I don't dislike her music. Like, I think it's, it's fine, but I've never really took the time to go through the catalog and like sit down and really, really listen. Like, it's just, it just wasn't really my style, but like her doing these sort of like, modern but like kind of 20s 30s you know nightclub songs which did kind of fit within my you know palette of like loving old music you know was really interesting and I saw that movie in the theater in 1990 and like got the soundtrack and you know was really into it what, what I was like <clears throat> nine years old eight years old or, or whatever but like that was very memorable for me and like still to this day when I watch that movie and I put it on every once in a while, I'll watch it with my son who is kind of enamored by how insanely colorful and like weird people's yeah. faces look because they yeah. are just, they're terrifying. Um, um, but the music is so catchy and it, you just like, it tells us like the music, it was one, it was one of those movies where like the original music for the movie, which was not only just score, which Danny Elfman did a wonderful job, but like the soundtrack told the story so cool um and for a comic book movie i mean come on how cool is that Th that that doesn't happen in a comic book movie <laughs> anymore no it doesn't and you're right i mean american graffiti is a perfect example of where the soundtrack actually tells the score because the entire evening or day is during a radio show i mean it's like the radio yeah. is constantly on it's a character yeah. in the movie and uh i the only cool thing i've ever heard george lucas say about making movies is um He's like, when I was writing American Graffiti, I wrote a song at the top of my notebook. And then I wrote the scene because that was the song that was going to play. So he knew what song was going to be playing on Will Man Jack's show, you know, during the movie before he wrote the scene. And I thought that was interesting. Oh, it's, um, it's so cool. But I think, Stephen, you're right. I'm trying to think. I think you're right. They, I can't think of the last example. Titanic certainly fits the bill. Is, is um, whatever it's got to be? You know. It's got that's Pilgrim a score. On there? Then which just some crazy you know movie. Um, but you have to go further back where the soundtrack and or the you know the is is a is another you know it was another uh, product like the whole like the whole soundtrack. Well, I mean, and, look, yeah, well, yeah. the top well, the top gun soundtrack is phenomenal. Is well, Scott the Pilgrim on there? Is Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Versus the world that have original songs in it too. 
couple. That could be a good example. Yeah, I'm not sure. I remember. But yeah, they used to specifically make songs to either be in movies. Look, I mean, the way we I mean, were, they, they still do you know, that for sure, yeah. but they're just not like, I feel they're not as big of hits as they were. They don't, be, uh, yeah, they don't, don't penetrate don't the masses they like are. they once did. Yeah. Like Phil Collins for, for Tarzan? I mean, come on. Like, oh, that's dude. Like... That soundtrack was huge for me, yeah. <laughs> it lost it. There one against South Park, the musical. I re- oh, my gosh. Blame Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Blame Canada. Yeah, I think the... But you had more of those where an artist or a producer or songwriter specifically made a song that was going to be with the movie and I think like the, the way we were, um, you know, Streisand song in the movie. And then, the, you know, there's a huge song in my sister's movie, The Towering Inferno, which was sung by Maureen McGovern. And it's, we may never love like this again. And it's a, you know, great kind of easy listening song, but that was, she sings it like in the promenade room whenever, you know, during the party before everybody dies. And, um, you know, and that was a big release. And that got nominated for an Oscar for like best original song. Cause I think people used to hunt that best original song nomination. So they would really want these. So I think that's where we can maybe mine what movies were nominated for best original song that go into, because then I'm thinking like, oh, there's eight mile. And then there's, you know, things yeah, yeah. like that. Um, I, I actually so maybe, just, I think I just people would hunt too. for that song. Yeah. I, what is I, 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 so like Dick Tracy is kind of like as a whole like that music has stood out for me. But if I'm gonna go way back to like five years old and you know remembering the song or that song that gave me the feels maybe for the first time that was connected to uh, to a movie is um, Benji, I feel loved. <laughs> like the classic like '70s early '80s Joe Camp like. Because to this day, like I hear that song and I immediately am filled with like joy and like sun kissed skies and an old decrepit house and a little dog poking his nose out <laughs> and that like bookman swash like um, uh, font for the title that comes up for the movie. Like that's it. That's mine. It's Benji. I feel loved. That was the that was the song because like that's the one that like I remember it so well as as a young kid, and uh, to now like that that left an impression on me because that sound, the people that it was connected with, that story about a dog. It was about kids. Fuck man, that's a great song. I gotta yeah, listen. Good example. <laughs> I was crossing my fingers hoping you would say "Magic Dance" from Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. It's Benji. It's Benji. At least no one went obvious with Dream Warriors. <laughs> oh my god! Which Brian, you know that it's Dokken, right? Or Dokken? Yeah, it's it's Don Dokken. Did yeah. have you did have we ever have I ever told you that story? No, no, because no, I I have the soundtracks on vinyl behind me, including so, that <laughs> by the pool there. Yes, so, by, yeah, the by, the, by the pool. The don't don't, nice, don't nice. get the turntable wet. Don't don't <laughs> spoil, Belial. Don't bump the table. Um, House Party, great movie soundtrack too. Um, uh, but uh, Dawkins, so it, and it's in Mike. It's in. There's a little bit of thing where uh, Josh Goldblum um, from Cinepocalypse and then was running a thing in Philadelphia um, 
uh, it was literally in the, it was called the underground. It's a bar that's below street level in Philadelphia. And we were there for a convention, but he asked me and Ryan Lambert to, we ended up hosting the, this evening. We were just supposed to intro Chuck Russell and Heather Langenkamp. Because uh, they, in this bar, they were doing a live commentary of Nightmare 3 with Chuck Russell and Heather Langenkamp. And the, the, the guy that was supposed to like actually be on stage the entire time during the movie and do the live commentary didn't, ended up not doing it. And so, yes, Ryan and I, instead of just introing, can you do the live commentary with Chuck and Heather and walk the, like just get them through. And in Wolfman's Got Nards, uh, we were at that convention shooting footage, but the interview with Chuck Russell and Heather Langenkamp was one of our first on-camera sit-down of people that we didn't, that weren't involved with Monster Squad, or one of our first events. Might have been one of our first events that we shot footage of, and that interview setup and tone and the way we did that set the kind of set the themes for all of our sit-down interviews going forward. That's awesome. And that's when Chuck's mentioning you know, his, his movies that influence him and, and, and Heather mentions Wizard of Oz, but we were in the green room of that bar. But what's cool about this bar is they have like a, a bed sheet hanging down and they're going to project Nightmare 3. But at the end of the movie, so we do this, and while Heather and Chuck were filming their interview, there's a sound check going on because after we show the movie and the bar's there, there's a private acoustic concert that Don Dockin is giving. <laughs> oh my God. And while we're doing the interviews, you can hear, not in the film, because we speed it up, but Dockin is on stage sound checking acoustically singing Dream Warriors. Oh my God. And so I'm like, God, how Don bizarre. Dockin. I was like, that's Don Dockin. While I'm, I'm talking to Chuck Russell and Heather Langenkamp, I'm like, what is happening tonight? This is, and then we had to go on stage and spend like two hours live commentating Nightmare 3. And which I don't think I had seen since I saw it in the theater. So I'm like, Heather, what about this part? And so it was just, that was a weird, like Don Dockin. And look, I'm telling, I was, um, I had a lot of exposure to cool music when I was a kid and it was awesome stuff, but some of my metal friends, like I was a little scared of like, like metal in the early eighties. Cause I was like eight. Right. And kids that wear Judas priest shirts terrified me. And like anybody had a Dawkins shirt on, I'm like, isn't Dawkins like even harder and weirder than the mainstream metal? Like this guy's scary. And I'm sitting there that night flashing back to like, fifth grade and this old guy is on a bar stool with an acoustic guitar singing tree warriors and i'm like this is insane that's oh my god is there a recording of this acoustic version of dream warriors because yeah i think we have actually i think we have a little bit on like on our hard drive docking unplugged it's oh docking unplugged and he did like an like a 45 minute acoustic show which was great um wow. and then he told a great story about gene simmons <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic yeah this is one of my favorite third party stories um Dokken was in, like he come and hung out for a sound check he hung out with us and we were having a beer or something and he was telling us because gene simmons was at this convention and so ryan lambert and i and a whole bunch of other people including chuck norris and famka jansen are in this green room for this convention <laughs> and i'm like i only care that's about funny. famka i don't want to talk to anybody else i just want to talk to her and um 
And it was funny because Chuck Norris was there. I'm like, why is Chuck Norris here? And he had two bodyguards. I'm like, these aren't like them. Like, why does Chuck Norris need two bodyguards? And then I realized <laughs> Chuck Norris doesn't need two bodyguards. The rest of the world needs two bodyguards from Chuck Norris. Chuck so Norris. I made my own meme at the convention. There you go. But, but Gene Simmons is signing at this convention. I'm like, are we in the right place? This is really weird. Are we in the right spot? And um, we Ryan was mentioning that he was like, he was getting bagels with Gene Simmons. And he's like, this is a weird afternoon. And Dawkins was like, ah, oh, Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, I think there's a story here. And it's a great story. He's like, oh yeah. In like 1979, we opened for Kiss and like, you know, wherever it was. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, yeah. And so we're in, we're done with our set. And like, you know, the fans are, you know, cheering. And so I'm trying to hype up, you know, the main act. And all I said was, all right, you want, you know, get ready for Kiss. Are you guys ready? And like hyping up the crowd. And he took, you know, like Kiss used to have towels. Like people would swing around like it was like, a, it was a Kiss towel. And he was like, you were ready for Kiss. And he had one on stage and rung it and like threw it in the audience and everybody went, yeah. And then as they're walking off stage, Gene Simmons in Gene Simmons attire for Kiss concert goes, grabs Don Dock and he goes, hey man, did you just throw a towel out in the audience? And he's like, yeah, I was hyping up the crowd. He's like, those towels are $15. <laughs> that, is, that is Gene Simmons. <laughs> it's so Gene Simmons, if you know Gene Simmons, because he owns everything Kiss, right? And so, and Dawkins goes, Who's this fucking guy? Like, okay, whatever. I hyped up the crowd. We left. So he goes, <laughs> when Gene Simmons sent him his check for his, the opening band, he deducted $15. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. And man. I'm like, you know what? I kind of want like a Dockin concert t-shirt right now so <laughs> I can be a total, total poser. But just because I hung out with them for like 30 minutes. My God, that's awesome! Yeah, so that 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 was interesting, uh, and that was an interesting night. But um, yeah, I don't know that that night had a that day had a lot going on. <laughs> in it. Wow! And I did get to meet and hang out with Famke Jansen. Oh, that's cool. <sighs> she's tall. She is intimidating. She's <laughs> great. She's really cool. Um, yeah, how, for for me, she's House on Haunted Hill, the the remake, like from the 90s like that's that's the movie that i associate she probably doesn't want to hear that but like that's the movie i associate her with i know she was in taken and you know james bond and all sorts of stuff but like that is the movie for some reason where like growing up it was like the r-rated again an r-rated movie probably shouldn't be watching it but here i am watching it it's freaky as hell it's messed up she's like stabbing uh uh what's his face uh uh the actor he plays blackbird in the movie god he's a new girl whatever but like that's that's the movie for for me for her like that's how i always associate i'm like that was jensen how's it haunted hill she's crazy i uh I, when i was working for nathan Barr, we did um a netflix show called hemlock grove that she was in and yes she was, she was great and, and you know it was it was kind of funny because i was um i was listening to another podcast with uh that uh, they're they're listening or talking to uh, Ted Sarandos, and he was talking about like Netflix early days and stuff. And I I had totally forgotten that 
Hemlock Grove was like Netflix's like second or third original show. Yep. And I was it like, was, right? that's pretty, yeah. that's, that's pretty, pretty tight to like have, have worked on. Uh, yeah. Now that they have like hundreds and hundreds of things and they're just like hundreds. taking over the world. Yeah. yeah. One a week. Taking over the world. Yeah, exactly. But that was so, like, oh, that was like 2000. 10 or 11 no, was it, it was like was 2012 2000 end of 2012 yeah okay because yeah. yeah. i remember uh i remember what tvs i had on certain <laughs> I was watching stuff and i had this old i had this big 50 inch rear projection tv in my house <laughs> oh, it was right before i got such a great deal on this giant rear projection tv and i was like yeah it was like because they're not making them anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that bulb burned out on me twice over a couple of years oh my god yeah, those things are like 200 bucks a piece <laughs> i remember, I remember the rear projection tvs i had, yeah. had a hitachi from circuit city and it was 42 <laughs> inches that was early it was like year 2000 and man those things were gigantic it was like 200 pounds and they yeah. were so heavy and the thing that always drove me nuts about those things is like especially if like you, you had one and there was one at like a bar or something or you at like a restaurant or you were at your buddy's house and everybody else was like dead center and you got the side the whole freaking screen was like washed out and gray <laughs> so like there was no contrast like you just Remember. you just leaned like this and it was no con you had to be like <laughs> dead center to get just and even then it was like okay but yeah. then like you lean just a little bit this way and it's just like it looks like a like a 1990s indie photograph right well i want to as i'm interested because brian you started off a while ago with a question of what we've been watching in the last right. since yeah. we last spoke yes and i think mike mentioned wolfman's got ours and that's awesome but Stephen, what what were you what are, what is is there something uh, trying to think what i've seen lately i I haven't been watching as much as I would like. I mean, we, we had talked briefly there about doing a little Oscars thing. I mean, I, there's a lot of Oscar movies. I saw probably half of them. I don't know. Which I... Who, who saw Minari, Promising, Minari, did you see, Minari did you see Promising Young Woman? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. super good. Okay, so yeah, those are my two favorites were uh, Minari and Promising Young Woman. Holy crap, oh, yeah. those movies just incredible films. Like Right. Mine too. Like Talk profound. To. Prof like... Minari completely surprised me, came out of left field as like, same, same. I, didn't, I didn't think I was going to be as affected as I was, but like, what a great story of, you know, just, in, it, what's crazy about that movie is like, to me, it really, it, it held this, it, it did hold itself as like, you know, the story of like an, of like an immigrant family, like trying to find their, their place. But like, it also was such a strong movie about roles in a family. And mm -hmm. I loved how they like, how it was like, how important, how they started to make and how you started to see how important and how, you know, the mother of the family was sort of like the foundation and how the, the male who wants to provide and like do this stuff starts to, is, is like falling, like falling away, because, seemingly becoming less important and how they tie that into like the chickens being tossed in the fire and they're keeping the females and the guys are getting, the males are getting tossed into the, the, the smoker. And you're just like, like, there was just something really interesting about, like it hit me as, as a guy, like it just hit me as like this, like, I 
can totally relate to this situation. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not an Asian immigrant that's like trying to make it in Arkansas. Like, but it was such a universal film. Like I think messaging wise of just that dynamic between men and women, especially in like a marriage, like was just so, so uniquely done and so unexpected. I don't know. It just, it just really struck me. It was so beautiful and the music, holy fuck. That's what we got to talk about is Emile's music in that movie. Yeah. I sat and listened to that soundtrack for weeks <laughs> after I watched that movie. And just like, there were times in the car where I'd listen to it, I'd be elated. And then there were times I'd listen to that score in the car and I'd be like tears. Like I'd, I'd literally start misting up because like all the feels, man, all. I was just going to say that all the feels. Yeah. It's like, it's really not complicated like sound wise it's just like the best chords it's just really warm we, talk, we talked and, about uh, this what yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right, right. we, did, we yeah. had a conversation about this but like that was yeah like i immediately we i reached out to you and we started talking about this this movie and the music and that's what you said you said <laughs> you were just like Dude. all the perfect chords yeah, yeah. That, and I, i'll never forget that i'm like you're right it's just <laughs> all the perfect notes it's, like <laughs> never uses a bad note in any of this it's great yeah yeah, so good. I was um, I was excited to see. Wait, was he? He was up. Was he up for an Oscar for that? Or I can't remember. He was. Yeah. Okay. Because he, I don't think he was up for a Golden Globe. But anyways, yeah, I was super pumped to see that that he was getting a bunch of recognition for that. Because yeah, definitely well deserved. Um, what about you, Andre? Have you? What were some of your favorites? So I, I think I set myself up because all these great movies that came out since the Oscars before last were when Parasite won. And I barely saw Parasite like, like right before the Oscars. Because <laughs> I get I get screeners and I never watch anything. <laughs> and I have Netflix and we have Amazon and I never watch anything. And <laughs> I think the only because I'm I'm honestly a TV guy. Like I'm a giant TV fiend. Or TV. TV. I, what TV? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a TV fiend. And if we're going on something that I think was, well, I don't know if we talked about it last time we were hanging out, but I like, you know, I'm spending so much time with my mother over this last year. So, cause you know, we didn't want her to go anywhere. Right. And so, and I curated like a Dorothy film festival list of stuff that we could watch that she's never seen or never seen without commercials. And, um, so, you know, we watched like a ton of movies, but then I also got her hooked on a bunch of my TV shows. So man, all every, all the shows just ended last week. Like all of my big network tentpole shows season ended. And she's like, well, now we got to wait till September. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't you remember how network works? Um, it's better so than next year. Like most of cable. That's right. I was like, Hey, <laughs> don't ever watch the Sopranos on, you know, broadcast. Um, that's why I was like, I'll just wait until it's over and watch it all together. <laughs> I'll watch it all at once. I've seen one thing on Netflix this year that I sat through kind of the, ooh, ah, everybody was hyped up about, and that was The Queen's Gambit, um, which I thought was actually really good. She was fantastic was. in that. Uh, yeah, I that also, what of... I liked, I liked more about that, I loved the production design and the costuming of that movie. It was fantastic, because I love that era, and it was well done. She's phenomenal because I also like the witch. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, Brian, we saw that at our at Fantastic Fest, I think, that year we that sure we did. met was the, the sure witch did. was the, the movie there. Um, but what's interesting, if we're going, I'll represent network television a little bit. I didn't know 
if it was going to suck or what they were going to do with it. But Clarice is actually really good. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, she's phenomenal. The lead, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she doesn't overdo what she's trying to do. She's not trying to replace Jodie Foster or you know anybody that's ever played Starling before. She makes it her own. And it's super simple because it, um, has anybody seen it? I have mm-hmm. not, no. Okay, no. so Clarice, the series starts one year after she kills Buffalo Bill. Mm. And so it's her being this FBI and then she gets brought into VICAP and she deals with friends and there's this ongoing kind of political corporate kind of big pharma intrigue conspiracy thing that they're going through and there's a mole in the end. But she's really good and it's done in the 90s. So it's actually holds oh, cool. true from the movie time aesthetic wise. So <laughs> there's no cell phones, there's some beepers and everything on the desk is all like 1992 and their clothes are 1992. And it, the, I think the art direction and the actual production design of it's really good. Cause it's hard to do that without pouring a ton of money into something. And they're, they're pouring a lot of money into the show. So it, it works. And I think I like the camera work. It's edgy. The lighting's all dark and kind of, it, it's really good. And she's phenomenal. So I think my vote, I'm going to go with, and I'm a couple episodes behind, but um, they have this new fangled thing called uh, On Demand where you can just watch shit. And when did um, that come it's out? fantastic. Um, <laughs> I, I think it came out like two years ago. And um, <laughs> But what's great is like you can miss it. Looks a great episodes. on your rear projection TV. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go get that sucker back. I'm going to, I have to get a U-Haul to bring it to the, in <laughs> a ramp. Um, but I think Clar- Clarice is, is, is really good. Good um, deal. But I'm a sucker for, t- like, I, half of Dorothy's programming is Monday Night Network, Tuesday Night Network, Wednesday Night Network, <laughs> Thursday Night, and there's two shows on Friday, which is Clarice. It's crazy. So we have this, like, whole TV schedule that's gnarly, too. Wow. And because I'm a TV, I'm an absolute TV fiend. I'm a TV fiend. I probably tend towards more TV in general too. It's easier to watch, yeah. more snappy. You know, uh, have you guys seen um, what we do in the shadows? Oh the yeah. Sh- I mean, there's the show or the movie. Yeah, show. I've oh, seen yeah, the, the movie. I haven't seen the show. The show the was movie, so good. The movie I loved, and I think the show is better. Like yes. it's like oh, that's wow. what everybody said. That's true. Yeah, that it's is very true. It's, uh, it's amazingly good. Like I, you know, you'd think they could, they would just totally exhaust like all the vampire tropes and cliches and (laughs) every episode is fresh and they're just short. I think for me, the movie was like, you know, like the first half is really good when they're kind of introducing you to all the funny vampire stuff. But then it's sort of like, I don't know, it just plateaus a little bit, but the, uh, the show is just, you know, little 25 minute chunks and it's just so much fun. I, I love it. Yeah. And it's great. It's, you know, it's, written and directed by the same guys it's by yeah. Jermaine and Jermaine and uh, Taika Waititi so it's um yeah check it out it's, it's, it's excellent. hilarious and the theme song to that show is an old old song that is perfect for the show it's uh, you're dead yeah um, exactly it's just so great it's Wonderful like it's show. stuck in my head regularly recently because I'm <laughs> binging it like crazy I'm like almost done with season two and getting bummed have you gotten to the Star Wars cameo no uh <laughs> Oh, is that a spoiler? 
I mean, what? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I would reckon I remember, but no. Okay. Jar Jar Binks is on what we do in the shadow. Well, yeah, well, if he haven't gotten there yet, there's a great Star Wars cameo. Turns out he's it. a vampire this whole time. <laughs> it's like, see, I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Oh man. Well, wait. This is perfect. Let me let me ask. I'm taking over, Brian. Um, no, there's a cool question because uh, I sometimes I jump into like other people's like Twitter questions. I don't like it because I think it's just fishing for shit. But some there was a question since we're talking about music, and then we got on the TV angle. Uh, it said best TV theme song. Oh, that's easy. It's a tough question, but not really. <laughs> like you, Brian, and you knew it was right off. What's your your automatic TV theme song? And I mean, if it's Friends, I'm logging off. The, oh, no way. There, okay. there, there's kind of like three, and it's the Fraggle Rock theme, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and um, uh, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 theme song. Those three are like top notch. I mean, if you haven't listened to Fraggle Rock theme song, that is like funk, soul. Like, oh, yeah. Comes in with the yeah. bass, do, 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 do. Holy shit. And then, of course, probably the most recognizable sing-along one is Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, like, that's a big yeah. one. I think yeah. like nobody could, if that song comes on, I don't think anybody could not sing along to it. Yeah. And then maybe just how crazy and weird the Mystery Science Theater 3000 one is. I top three. <laughs> what do you think, Steven? What's your favorite TV? Since you said you like TV too. Yeah. It could be uh, old or new. It could be old or new. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, Fresh Prince is huge. Um, lately, what we do in the shadows has really been in my head. I don't know, like maybe Cheers. Cheers. Iconic. But, uh, yeah, super iconic. Yeah. Everybody knows your name. And that's <laughs> yeah. when something just becomes bigger than it's like, it becomes bigger yeah. than what's I mean, the purpose, right? I really don't want you to sign off, but I love Friends. Not going to lie. <laughs> Look, yeah. it's a good song. It's a, it's a good song. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you well, know, I, no, I only say that because it's such an easy go-to. I want someone yeah, to like yeah, yeah. Mine, okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Go back in there. What about you, Mike? <sighs> Got to go with A-Team and then Home Improvement. <laughs> oh, A-Team. D-D, yeah. which no, no, no. Oh, okay, 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 so if we're going to do top three, top three. Because those are the two that I go to because I always came home from school, I always watched A-Team reruns. Yeah. Uh, every Wednesday, every Wednesday night before before Wednesday night church, we watched Home Improvement. Um, but the one, especially now more than ever, and and this was something that I did not grow up with, but after I met my wife and uh, married into the Marin um, family, um, my wife's uh, dad is a huge Harry Mason. Fan. <laughs> mm. And holy crap. And I tell you what, like they'll come over, they'll spend like, you know, a weekend or a week with us and and uh you know like they they'll sleep out in the living room and they wait they so they have the TV out there and everything and we're all going to bed and that's that is literally the song that is playing as we're all like laying down in <laughs> You could hear it in the whole house. The house is so small. And so like Harry Mason comes on and serenades us all to sleep. Like <laughs> clockwork all the time. And it's just great. So like whenever we go there, like that's always the joke. Cause I'm like, cause Perry Mason plays on me TV here at like eight 30 in the morning. 
and yeah. like 10 30 at night uh on that channel and so like i'm like so what happened on perry mason and of course i get the lowdown from from, from father-in-law and, and then uh he passes out at the 10 31 and i'm like you missed it he's like what happened and i tell him he goes oh, i've seen that one like 10 times <laughs> <laughs> so those are those would be the top three tvs for me that's good so Andre, top three. I gotta, I gotta give an honorable mention to the Office. I feel like I don't know. I just love that. <laughs> that is That's a great. One. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I went um, iconic childhood when I answered these four, and it, it's honestly to me for some reason the most heart wrenching, heartbreaking, or, or melancholy song for a TV show. The theme song to Hill Street Blues. Makes me oh. cry every time I hear it. Dude, it's so good. It's a great song. It's just talk about the. It's like those aren't even the perfect chords. Those chords like are wrapping and like pulling you like out of your out of your uh, uh, your chest. So I, I've always loved the theme song to Hill Street Blues. What a great um, show too. God, it's it is it's it's on late night too, so you can watch it. Um, <laughs> and then, hey man. Dukes of Hazard is a great fucking theme song. <laughs> uh, little Waylon Jennings, little little just solo electric guitar. Uh, one day the mountain might get him, but the law never will. What great lyrics in this theme song! And then um, I love a catchy tune. It's this old kind of uh, Sid and Marty Croft. It's called the New Zoo Review, and it's got these crazy characters. And it's just this silly sing along song. When I was a kid, I loved it. Um, and they had a, one of the segments was a newscaster and he was a new, you know, like the animal, everybody was animals because it was a zoo and uh, it was Gary Gnu <laughs> and he did the news. So he goes, this is the news with Gary Gnu. <laughs> uh, and, um, but I love that. But I also love this theme song. They do a little bit on the, on the reboot, but uh, the original theme song to the TV show SWAT Mm. is a fantastic mm. theme song that is good i don't know that one you know oh it's uh it's, it's on youtube i'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. add it in i will the, check uh, audio okay <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fast Yeah, it's a lot like Isaac Hayes' Shaft yes. is where mm. they really went. Yep. <laughs> I it's love that great. stuff. Oh, it's so good. I yeah, love I that. used to, uh, I loved that show because it had Robert Forrest and uh, Robert Urich, a young, you know, like after Vegas, Robert Urich, his own show, he joins an ensemble cast. And uh, actually Vegas was a cool theme song too. Um, yeah, no, that sure was. Dantana, because I, I always like he pulled into his own office as his garage, which was bitching. No, it's great. So before COVID, I used to DJ around Dallas and I would do all soundtrack sets. Yeah. Um, and Ooh, so wow. the, my DJ name was DJ Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> uh -huh. And um, I would always start out with the every night with like a like a funk version of um, 
the theme song, the opening theme song, The Sopranos, because it, that itself is funky and it just, you know, mm. starts with a little piano and then gonna take you down, you know, something like that. Woke <laughs> up this morning by A3. It would just, everybody was like, really feel it. But all soundtrack set with score and songs from movies. And wow, that's amazing. Enjoy that. It <laughs> is cool. I, I don't think yeah, I've been to a, a set or any kind of show that has done that. No, yeah. I, I remember I went to a bar uh, down uh, off of Hillsborough Street in Raleigh and the, the guy that owned the salon where I used to get my hair cut is this really cool dude named Shannon Lamb. And we were going to this bar, which is underneath like the comedy club right there in Raleigh. And his friend was DJing and like, I guess he knew I was coming. And so this place is packed and like I walked in and all of a sudden he just starts playing rock until you drop like in this bar, like blast, like everybody's like, there's a dance floor or shit. Sam and Bell. he's like playing, and I'm like, oh my God, what, <laughs> what, where did you get? He's like, oh dude, I totally oh, ripped that off my DVD. <laughs> and I'm like, and everybody's kind of dancing. And some people are like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and oh. there was like two pitchers of beer waiting for me at the bar. I was like, oh my God. It's good. Uh, oh, good stuff. Sounds awful. It is great. It was, yeah, but um, yeah, I like the I like the TV show set. I like that. It's uh, I again, and theme songs for TV are just as important as whatever those iconic made for movies songs that we were talking about earlier. I think. I mean, they they make the show, and that's why they're so good because they really get you geared up and ready for that show. Like I hear that thing like. If my teammates would have let me in college, instead of coming out to like Naughty by Nature or House of Pain or Rob Bass, like to warm up for a home game, like I, I would have come out to the theme to swap. <laughs> Thank you, man. That's amazing. For sure. But no, I got, I, even though it was like, even when I was team captain, like, nah, I think we're doing Naughty by Nature. Okay, great. Um, and I am da- I'm I'm showing my age, <laughs> right but but you know to go back to what you said earlier, Mike, in in the Wolfman's Got Nards documentary, on one of my podcasts, the Celebrity Hour, for the most part, my opening theme song is the 1983 HBO intro because I don't think you can listen to that oh without like tapping your foot and just like tap it. And it's, it's amazing. Cause it's like, it, you know, it's, it's like a slow build through the town. And then all of a sudden it shoots off into space. And it's just like this huge crescendo crescendo of building into that with the lasers and the, the HBO signal coming in and, I use that because it really, especially to the composer series that I do, it's everybody loves it. <laughs> and people remember that because it's uh it's like an iconic sound. Like Yeah, it gets it not only is it, it, it imprinted on all of us, right? Yeah. Uh I mean, and I wasn't cool, I never had HBO. <laughs> yeah, I never had HBO. Really? I had to go to really? friends' house. Never. See, yeah, we, we didn't I'm either. in fucking movies. Oh yeah. And shit. I don't we, have HBO. No, we, we, we did. Yeah, we, it was it was just channel three uh hbo uh, one thing yeah. and you couldn't you had to like watch it as it happened but Unless yeah those had... are they it has per, has it's it hypes you up it ramps you up it has the perfect chords right Stephen? <laughs> um but uh, it's also the same thing how hyped do you get or did you get when all of a sudden you were in uh when it first started 
and then you expect it. And then you're mad if you're not in a THX theater that does the, you know, the THX fucking blast. No. And you're like, oh, I talk about in- perfect chord. That, that's a resonance that just is in, just impaling, you're going right through your skull, right? And well, yeah, it, it was great. It's all these notes that come together and yeah. just whew, right straight through I your was brain. in <laughs> several movie theaters where people would actually audibly clap and cheer when THX yeah. happened. Like, because it it shook you. And then the Simpsons did their version of it, which was amazing because they just did an animated thing to the real thing. And it was amazing. Right. But the THX- but that showed, because When the Simpsons spoofed that, that showed how iconic, because what was that thing? Like six seconds worth of sound? Yeah. <laughs> like in the field or wherever it was, it wasn't that much, maybe 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was cer- certainly special. Um, Guys, yeah, it, remember- it still sounds good though. Like. Even like in like a, if you got a five one DVD, like if you if you're watching a movie and that comes on in, in your home entertainment system, it's still you sort of like like the hair stand up on your neck. You're just like, yeah. oh, here we go. I'm in for something <laughs> special. It could be the worst movie in the world, but you're just like, damn, this is gonna be good. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. Can you get that same chord sound out of this? The Stangle Harpo, like I mean, Ooh. how like oh, maybe there, it all maybe, comes back to the Stangle Dangle. Yeah, maybe and, with the uh, like like five hands, you know, all tuning. You would have to start with each string like detuned, and then you it, bow it, and everybody and you're, tunes you're, to the same tuning? note at the same time. Oh you know, yeah, with a, with a coordinated effort, it could get uh, get close. All right, road trip. We all got to meet somewhere and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking oh, of, I'll start off. I'll start off on my hike uh, through the woods, and you know we can do a relay oh. race. And... Uh, I'm gonna be in the car. I'll pick you up. It's fine. Okay. Um, that's fine. a long. That's a long one. That is good. Um, I have one uh, last question before we round this out. Unless y'all want to go for another seven hours, I'm down. Yeah. We probably could, but you know, we probably could. Yeah. Um, dinner, dinner, and stuff. Yes, I uh, I brought this up online today, but it's a fun little question that I like to ask people. I'll ask you guys, put you on the spot a little bit. Um, so fun question, serious question though. If you could insert any werewolf into any movie of your choice, which werewolf and movie would you choose? So give you some time to think about it and I'll give you my answer if you want me to. <laughs> so Wait, would, so wait, any werewolf into any movie or to any, any werewolf, werewolf movie? from any movie into insert them into any film to make oh, it any film doesn't have yeah. to be another werewolf. No, it does not. So basically, you can take a werewolf from Monster Squad and you can put it in Goodfellas, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so oh, okay. Okay. I would go the so werewolf, no limit. Yeah, the werewolf women of the trick or treat anthology. Um, where they did the werewolf uh, little story. And I would put them in Ari Aster's Midsommar um, because I believe that movie was a nine day festival. And I think we only got like five days, but for their last evening, a full moon appears. And I uh, would hope that the werewolf women would come alive and attack the May Queen and turn her into the werewolf queen. So that's where I went. Oh, that's mm. awesome. Oh my gosh, this is this is interesting. Okay, okay. 
you know, I didn't realize until this question how sorely lacking my life is in werewolves. In, in werewolves? Yes. I'm, yeah, I don't even, I, I don't think I have sort of sort one. Of. I don't have any. <laughs> the last thing I saw werewolves in was in what we do in the shadows. And before that, I couldn't even tell you. Oh, you could, you could do Teen Wolf in like Space Jam or something like that. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he played basketball. He'd go up against my... I can't, I can't follow that now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a thread and a half. Um, okay, okay, no, 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 okay, okay. Jonathan Grease, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle but Rico, he turns into Uncle Rico transforms into the wolf wow. man. Okay, you're, in you're Napoleon going, Dynamite. yeah, that's a little meta. I like it. How, how does, how does he, so I guess he just has a flashback since he's trying to live in the past in Napoleon Dynamite. He keeps going, he keeps talking about 1982. So like, you know, maybe there's something that, <laughs> you know, I mean, I know that that's, that's earlier, but like still right. like there's something, it's so weird because when I first saw Napoleon Dynamite, I was like, where have I seen that fucking guy before? And I could not, I couldn't pinpoint it. And then sure enough, like, you know, it was like a few months later and I watched Monster Squad. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Uncle Rico. <laughs> What's his, what he's billed as like crazy guy or something like that, Jonathan Kreese. Like he's, he doesn't uh, actually play the werewolf, but he plays like- de Desperate yeah. man. Desperate yeah. man, desperate that's man. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one movie who has three or four characters whose character's name, like credit and in the script are, there's desperate man, scary German guy, <laughs> and Patrick's sister. Yeah, that's right. That's their character. <laughs> that's great. All uh, right. I think there's one more that's also 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 interesting too. If I had to answer, I don't know. I'd go. I I, I think I'll stay on brand. I guess I have to a little bit, but I'll bring in one of my all time favorite movies. So I'll go with. Uh, not going like trying to go back to the well, but I'll stay on brand. Um. Our Wolfman, like our Wolfman character, but in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> oh yes, I thought you were going to go because it's got. That. <laughs> no, that would have been good too. But I'm, I was keeping it in in kind of in the corny genre um, because Young Frankenstein is honestly one of my favorite horror. Like the th <laughs> my three favorite horror movies are three horror comedies. <laughs> They're not like the legit horror movies. Oh man, um, that would be great to have the werewolf scene with Frankenstein's monster where he, instead of the blind guy, it's a, a blind werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't and, know uh, he's a werewolf. Yeah, because you know, there's some time off and like when Frank, like Lee, like there's some shots of some full moon and like in the Monster Squad Wolfman, um, if you, you know, because we talked to, John Rosengrant and Shane Mahan, who, you know, worked on that creature build about what they used as their influences to build that particular modern wolf man. And they used them all. <laughs> and, you know, they use some Jack Pierce, they use some hammer. And uh, that that's what so like the, the white shirt yeah. is like a hammer thing going. Yeah. And then yeah. we flash back to the old hammer movies where he's coming down the stairs wearing like a, you know, an Austin Powers frilly cravat shirt almost, you know? And so I think that fits into kind of the, uh, the Frank, the young Frankenstein look, which would, which would have been funny. And it'd been funny if like there was a knock on the door or like, you know, Friedrich opens it or something. And it's like, he just standing there and he goes, no, we're all full up here. Sorry. Or something. And just leaves. 
just this scary like <gasps> sorry we're full <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then like there's a callback the like when, in the movie yeah when the town is getting you know pitch torches and pitchforks and going after the creature you know <laughs> and like he's running out going yeah and they're like no we're after the other guy and he's like yeah. ah, i can't i can't get any uh i can't get any attention <laughs> and then madeline khan just you know rides off in the sunset with <laughs> yes because uh yeah it's um oh and actually the joke is she starts howling it's <laughs> <laughs> great i like sort this. of the blend between the young frankenstein and the it's two it's two two it's two it's two steven any, any any thoughts no man i i really don't have any of you guys are the the, the horror movie buffs much more than i am i <laughs> I don't even. I just fake it. I just fake it. I yeah. Do a good job. Well, you're you're good, man. I, I gotta take some lessons. Steven, come on, right man. After... You worked on Hemlock Grove. Come on, there's got to be something. Go with yeah, Michael Jackson's you... Thriller and then just pick a movie. Ooh, ooh, that that's is... a good ass werewolf, man. So you're going with the go with the go with the mu- go with the music angle. Yes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Michael Jackson's Werewolf, <laughs> singing. The beat uh, singing twisting shot, baby is twist the twisting shot, twisting shot yeah. in Dr. Jane. <laughs> How about Michael Jackson's werewolf shows up in, in Greece or something? Like, uh, Ooh, just starts dancing talking. right along with everybody. Well, know? because he's a 50s werewolf, 1950s. That's right. That works. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Or That's you perfect. also missed the call. You could have gone to American Graffiti. Yes. <laughs> he is Wolfman <laughs> Jack. Wolfman. Like when you go to the radio yeah. station, <laughs> yes. you go to the radio station and the thriller Wolfman is the actual DJ. <laughs> Wolfman Jack. Oh, I love that That's so good. much. I, I love how full circle this whole conversation has <laughs> It is so great. Uh, and Stephen loaded, he, he nailed it. He brought it back. He did. Yeah, he I, did. I, think, I think that's my favorite answer. Stephen, you won. Uh, <laughs> you won. I don't believe it. <laughs> little help. Team effort. Team effort. That was good. Uh, thanks for doing this again, guys. We got to do this uh, more often. So I guess. So is this like a once every three months kind of thing? Like it's just going to be like the special, like. No, let's do this more often. If y'all are available every two or three weeks, let's do it. I'm in. I love it. You're in? Let's do it. We'll yeah. do I gotta, it. I got I to gotta up my content consumption. So uh, stay fresh. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll I, t- t- I can talk about t- network TV. I, gotta, I, gotta I can get tell you network, everything that's happening on NCIS. Chops, uh, yeah. Yeah. You can tell the subplots. And- yeah. Yeah. Well, the good, the good thing about TV is right now, like whatever you have basic cable, like Ion and Pop and all that just reruns great current tentpole network shows. And don't get me started on Law and Order SVU. I mean, that's just been from day one. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. So then, I watch then, SVU Steven, now. Steven, <laughs> you watch it now? <laughs> you want to catch up on, on any like lowbrow horror or sci fi, just turn on Comet. And it's just yeah. a great, weird, oddball. Like sometimes there's a couple like really, really cheesy TV shows that, that come up, but like you'll never know when, I mean, you'll get a troll too every once in a while too, where you're just like, right. this is like the classic thing there. Of course they're going to show this. Yeah. I love, I love those channels. Every so often, man, Comet puts something on. You're just like, what is this? And then like you look <laughs> it up and you're like, I never heard of this before. Like why? Uh, and yeah. I think it's, it's an MGM uh, company and like they, so they, they okay. that kind of stuff, play a lot of Orion stuff. It, it's great. Just turn it on. and I will. I will it. absolutely do that. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. 
Well, let's go around the room and in the vein of your favorite Attitude Era, late 90s pro wrestler. Tell them, tell all the listeners what you're doing now and where they can find you. Go, Steven. <laughs> Dude, I, wrestling is the one thing I did not do. Uh, I, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> And I can. We did. <laughs> you're you're the wrestler guy. You got it. You got you got to go first. Well, let's Brian, see. Brian here. goes first. Brian. Brian. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. We are going to do this podcast on the Celebrity Hour on iTunes and Spotify. Can I get a hell yeah? You can find us everywhere, and that's the bottom line. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Who's up? <laughs> oh my gosh! This is pressure. No one this can is, follow this is that. The hardest question this is pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 you guys, it's like this is like the the most people I've talked to at once in a year and a half, and now you know, gotta gotta do wrestling voice. You can just voices. do the Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. I'm trying to think. You could do what, what Steven, if you smell, oh, what Yeah, Steven. I was just thinking, what, that was, what was the rock thing? Was just, the, I mean, the tongue thing, but the, the, the look, right? He had the, that's it, that's it, that's it. He yeah, called yeah. Got it. and he said, and he, and he called it, get your monkey ass over here. <laughs> yeah. Was it, can you smell yeah. what the rock is cooking? Is that what Yeah, the jabroni beating, the, the pie eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jabroni eating pie. <laughs> oh my god! I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson actor as an actor fan. I love it. I, oh yeah, I do love him. He's great. Uh, and iconic, his best thing was his first. Time? His, his, <laughs> talk about a music movie, Steve. Next time we have to talk about the follow up to Get Shorty, which is better because it's be, be cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Ducks in that. Sid the Sap, yo. <laughs> Andre, Andre Benjamin is fantastic in that movie. <laughs> he is. He's always eating. I got to Play it. <laughs> have, have you not seen Be Cool? I haven't. It's oh, good. it's fantastic. I mean, it, like, it features, uh, uh, so now, uh, you know, uh, John Travolta uh, gets into the music industry. So he, le- you know, Get Shorty was movie industry. Now he gets into the music, music industry. industry. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's fantastic. And it's got Christina Milian in it who's super cute back in that day and just with this big voice and there's so many funny people and it's hilarious. Absolutely, Dwayne Johnson is, Dwayne Johnson is absolutely hilarious in that movie. He's playing this like struggling actor. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's for he's the most bankable dude in the world. Right, of anybody in that movie before I ever, it's good. Mike, yeah. what's, your out, what's your outro? uh what and so what is it like where we where you can find what you're doing i don't know what was it kluger (laughs) well uh if you have anything coming up or where they can find you online like instagram or whatever why don't you just come over to instagram oh yeah that's like three different i I heard three different guys did that one there there probably was i you know 
Oh man! Ooh, I mean, yeah. Honest, honestly, like Kane was probably my guy. You know, back in the day, <laughs> Kane didn't say a fucking word. So yeah, I, I should have just stayed quiet. You could just do Jim Ross. By God, it's Kane. <laughs> he come out in the fire. <laughs> Shit! Now it's my turn. Uh, they're almost all kind of synonymous, like synonymous kind of. Um, all right, let me see what I want to say. All right. Um, well. It's a bailout, but I'll do it because I can't do a good Sergeant Slaughter imitation. Um, well, let me tell you something, brother. Right now, it's hashtag active with Andre. Get off off your ass and just move every day. For 30 days, it's 30 day challenge. Don't maybe come after you and rip your shirt off. Let me tell you something, brother. You can also follow me on Instagram, Andre Gower Official. Ah. You know, you know who that sounded like? It sounded like Diedrich Bader from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And now, Wait. if you join me, you pay three hundred dollars for my eight-week program. I go home to Starla every night. <laughs> so that was my Diedrich Bader, Hulk Hogan. I love it. That was macho, Macho Man, Randy Savage. The mashup, the mashup. It's fantastic. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while. It's so good. You win. Oh, yeah. that was good. That was that was great. We we'll 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 do more next time with pro wrestling for sure. Oh. <laughs> okay. But thank Yay. you. The Celebrity Hour. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all of it, Amazon, and YouTube. We love you. YouTube. I've heard of it.